this particular year feels very different and it has started to feel different over the last few years anyway but this year in particular feels like a bit of a watershed moment and it actually feels like that their narrative is finally starting to break. I know a couple of people actually said to me that the tactics that the mainstream media has been using, the people that are representing the Palestinians, have finally been able to either use their tactics back against them, have finally learned how to navigate them and how to basically dance around all of that and get around it, which everybody was very happy about. So there's a number of people that have been asking me to speak about this Israeli-Palestine conflict, especially with the things that have been happening about what's been going on this October of 2023. But the reason why I haven't said anything up till now is because I don't feel like I have anything to add on top of what anybody else has already said. There are people out there that have much greater expertise in the subject of the Israeli-Palestine conflict. They understand the nuances of what's going on. They're a lot more aware of the facts on the ground. They've been reporting on that a lot longer and they can probably put that information out there in much better terms than I can as well. They know how to kind of navigate that political discourse a lot better than I do. So that's really the only reason why I haven't spoken about it up until now. It's not that I'm not feeling it. It's not that I'm not observing it or, or not witnessing it. It's just that I don't necessarily feel like I have that much meaningful information to add. There is one thing that I did want to say where this conflict is concerned, and that is that I think apart from there being an actual physical battle, so there's actual military operations taking place on either side, and there might be an economic battle as well, I do think that the propaganda war has to be won first. And that is something that the oppressors have been very, very good at in this entire time. They've been very good at rallying support and loyalty from most of the world, even though they are the oppressor. Those that have been oppressed and those that have been on the side of the oppressed have mostly been gaslit and have been vilified as part of that process. And the oppressor is the one that has been able to make themselves look like the victim for the majority of time. I do think this particular year feels very different and it has started to feel different over the last few years anyway. But this year in particular feels like a bit of a watershed moment and it actually feels like that their narrative is finally starting to break. I know a couple of people actually said to me that the tactics that the mainstream media has been using, the people that are representing the Palestinians, have finally been able to either use their tactics back against them, have finally learned how to navigate them and how to basically dance around all of that and get around it, which everybody was very happy about. And I think it has been good. I think there are a lot of people that were on the fence that have finally started to turn and started to realise, wait a minute, this is quite one-sided, that the real victims are actually the Palestinians. I think people can finally start to see that, that this narrative has been looking very one-sided for a very long time. Before we continue on this video, I just want to invite you to my Discord community. Look, the world has changed, and it is changing still. And on my Discord, which is a simple mobile app that you can use, you can stay in touch with other like-minded people like me, who are staying informed of the things that are happening around the world that are going to affect our daily lives very, very soon. So come and join me on my Discord community and let's grow together and let's navigate this changing world order together. But one thing that I wanted to say was there are two pieces of media out there that I think are very useful in understanding what propaganda really is or how propaganda actually works. The first one is Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which is a movie that was directed by Matt Reeves. 
So it was a trilogy. You had Rise of the Planet of the Apes, then you had Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and then you had War of the Planet of the Apes. Okay, so it's three films, which are fantastic films, like modern classics. But this second movie, and all three movies are kind of independent as well. So you can kind of watch each on their own. But the middle one, Donor of the Planet of the Apes, I personally think that's a fantastic essay in what propaganda actually looks like. In how do you get a group of people that are actually the aggressors, that are actually the ones that are being opportunistic, that are being selfish, but they are doing a very good job of acting like victims. And they're the ones that are actually causing all the rife and all the trouble and everything. And really that's for people who are easily deceived by the propaganda that's out there easily buy into taking everything on face value and say okay well this is what i'm seeing in front of me so this must be the truth of the situation this must be the reality of the situation and not being able to see behind the veil i think that movie does a very very good job in showing what's in front of the curtain and what's behind the curtain so that's one really good movie we've been through hell together we spent four years, four years, fighting that virus and then another four fighting each other. It was chaos. And I want you to know, it's not just about power. It's about giving us the hope to rebuild and reclaim the world we lost. The other one is a TV series, which is known as Paitat Abdul Hamid. And this TV series used to be on Netflix. It got taken off. I'm not surprised why it got taken off, because there were a certain group of people that lobbied against it, because it made another certain group of people not look too good, which was the entire point anyway. So it used to be on Netflix. Now, unfortunately, you have to kind of find it from any source that you can get hold of it. I watched about 30 episodes of that. I think about 35 episodes in total. Now, anybody that knows me knows that I have been and was a huge fan of Ertugrul, the TV series. So Drillish Ertugrul, or Ertugrul as the Turkish people say it. So Resurrection Ertugrul is how the English might say it, which I believe is still on Netflix. Now, Ertugrul was an exposition on the formations of the Ottoman Empire. So all the things that were put into place, you know, the bed that was created for the Ottoman Empire to rise. Baytal Abdul Hamid is the other end of the spectrum, is at the tail end of the spectrum, which is all the things that happened that resulted in the destruction of the Ottoman Empire, that resulted in it collapsing. If you watch even 30 episodes of that, right from the get-go, the first thing that you will notice is actually Israel is central to the story, Zionism is central to the story of Baital Abdul Hamid. His entire energy and resource and everything that he expended really was against Zionists. He wasn't successful, unfortunately, but he tried his best to stop the Zionists from coming in and he wasn't able to do it. Right from like the first episode, almost the first main scene, immediately introduces you to Theodor Herzl, who was the founding father of Israel. He was the founding father of Zionism. Okay, Theodor Herzl, it's a very important name. They actually characterize him in this TV series, and immediately you see that even his own father was against him. And this man actually had his father in chains. Hayalimi gerçekleştirmek için ilk adımı attım. Tabii sadece benim için değil, bütün Yahudi kardeşlerimizin hayali gerçek olacak. Artık onların da bir yurdu olacak. Hizmetkarlarım 
Birkaç gün içinde tren yolunun himayesini alacaklar. Keşke sen de yanımda olsaydın. Seni bu kadar çok seven oğluna keşke sen de inansaydın. Annenle ben pek çok kez kavga ettim. Neden biliyor musun? Senin oğlun olduğuma inanmadım Nurka. Senin gibi bir kafir asla benim oğlum olamazdı. And I think altogether the TV series is about 100 and something episodes, maybe about 130 episodes, they're very long. You know what Turkish TV series are like. But if you watched even 30 to 35 episodes, you'll get a very, very good course in how Zionism started, what were the tactics that they actually used, what was their end goal, what their strategy was, and how they actually did their propaganda and how they actually infiltrated Muslim spaces and how they basically went about their way. And the other thing about that TV series and everything that actually happened around that time. So this TV series is basically depicting the events from approximately 1893 up through till about 1908. So it's like that 10-12 years. It was the greatest battle intellectually and philosophically for the Ottoman Empire, which unfortunately they lost. And Zionism, you know, became successful as a result of all of that. But everything that was put into place at that time, you know, they made the intentions very, very clear. But you see how they rallied people to take sides with them. You see how they infiltrated the youth. You see how they made Sultan Abdul Hamid look like the villain, how they created factions, how they made him look like the enemy, even amongst his own people. You see how all of that gets done, how all of that was done. Even to this day, if you go into the Arab world, They see Sultan Abdul Hamid as, I think they used to call him the Red Sultan, as in he was the man that was responsible for blood. But when you watch this TV series, you realize how he was a man of mercy and he was a very, very intellectual man. He was a very, very clever man. And you see the troubles and the extent that he went to to try and protect the Ummah from the onset and the rise of Zionism and all the stress that he went through in terms of his own children and his family and his reputation. And he fought that with his entire soul. And it's just one of those things. Even a lion, if it's caught in a ravine by several hyenas, it's not going to be able to defend itself. It's already cornered and it's got several actors that are weak. It might be weak individually, but as a group, they can still overpower him. And that's basically what happened with him. He was near enough just fighting that entire thing on his own. And he had the entire world to fight against. So, you know, I have no doubt that this was a man of all. I have no doubt that he has a huge, huge rank. But unfortunately, there was a new world order that was put in place at that time. And everything that we experience in our lives today, the banking institutions, nation states, and the structure that they have, government, all these things that we experience today, most of that new world order that we are now dealing with, the world order before the collapse of the Ottoman Empire was very different to what it is now. But this world that we live in now is only about 100 years old. And those things that were put into place were put into place around that time, around about, you know, after the events of 1908, and then especially around the early 1920s, that world order that was put into place is the life that we experience now. The world that we live in now, this world is only about 100 years old. So everything that we think is what life is, everything that we think is how the world runs or how the world has always run, isn't actually true. This new world order was created by those people that were fighting Sultan Abdul Hamid, like the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and the founding fathers of Zionism and the bankers and all these people, they were the people that put all that thing into place around that time, which is the world that we're living in right now. And it is starting to look like it might be collapsing, but I can't be 
certain on that. But all I will say is that that TV series is worth watching. Me and my mom, we remarked to each other that TV series felt like a £50,000 political science degree. Like if you had to put a number on it, it felt like it was a £50,000 worth of education in political science. It really taught me a lot. Like when I look at the events today, anything that I see on the news, any facts being reported, any political changes being made, I no longer look at it with the same lens that I was looking at it a few years ago, especially since having watched that TV series. And now I have a different lens with which I view events. Like that's how much of a mind shift it created. And so really all I can say is that that TV series is worth watching just for that mind shift. Now, unfortunately, I wasn't able to finish watching the TV series. There were a couple of reasons for that. One reason is because it got taken off from Netflix. And then to find it in other places, it just became more and more difficult for me to keep up with that. Getting hold of subtitles and making sure it plays really well and everything else, it just became a bit more difficult for me just with what was going on in my life. So I wasn't able to keep that up. And because each episode is a couple of hours as well. But the second and more important thing is, unfortunately became very depressing because you do develop a bond and an affinity with Sultan Abdul Hamid. You feel like he's one of you. You feel an affinity towards him and you feel like this man really cared for us and really wanted what's best for us. And to see him go through all that pain and that humiliation, it just becomes too much. And so that was also part of why I started giving up on it. Like Edward is a lot more exciting it's a lot more inspiring this unfortunately because of the nature of subject is not as inspiring it's not as entertaining you know Ertugul has like all these fight scenes and action scenes and everything else Sultan Abdul Hamid doesn't have a lot of that going on in the same way the sets are a lot fancier in other ways I think you know the Turkish people have probably learned a lot from the Ertugul series and the kind of plowed that learning into and then there's unfortunately there's a lot of kind of like backroom kind of drama like in the women's quarters and in the quarters of the helper staff and those kind of things there's a lot of drama there. It can be a little bit like Downton Abbey in that way. And that was a little bit off-putting for me. Unfortunately, that started to take from a lot of things as well. And I don't want to put you off, but even 30 to 35 episodes would be enough for it to create enough of a mind shift for you to kind of then be able to start looking at what's going on in the world, not just with Israel and Palestine, but even other political events. And you'll be able to start looking at them with a different lens. You know, even the stuff that's going on in Pakistan with like Imran Khan, for example, or the stuff that's going on between... Russia and Ukraine and you know all of these events you can look at those with a different lens all I can say is I would definitely encourage you to watch Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and watch this TV series again it's called Paitat Abdul Hamid and I believe Paitat stands for capital it's P-A-Y-I-T-A-H-T and definitely check that out and enjoy that I hope you get the mind shift that we're all looking for